I'm Maximilian Cooper and you're watching Anything is Possible. I'm Patrick Sang, global citizen, investor. Join me as I talk with global influencers for their insight, wisdom, and how they overcame their own personal challenges. Sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, creating one world together. I'm Patrick Sang, anything is possible. Welcome to another episode of Anything is Possible. I'm in the offices uh, in central London with a good friend of mine, Maximilian Cooper. He's the founder of Gumball 3000, the rally that travels initially across Europe, 3000 miles. Um, Max, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good I haven't to, seen good you. Good to have you here. Thank you. Um, I haven't seen you since the, the Tokyo uh, race, which was uh, the 20th anniversary. Yes, 2018, London to Tokyo. Yes. Um, which we'll talk about a bit later. Yeah. Um, so talk a bit, I guess, a little bit, maybe not as happy times. COVID has been a difficult times for everyone. Um, how did you go through all that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's been one of the challenges that we've all been in the same boat, essentially. So as a company and a person that had an incredibly busy lifestyle of traveling every week, it's sort of been flipped upside down. And, and unfortunately, as you know, Gumball is essentially a huge element to it as an events company. We've had now sort of 18 months of no events. So, you know, not the best of times, but um, I, I think we're all positive now that we're sort of coming through it. And, and you know, we haven't been sort of too lazy during the time. We've, we've worked, worked on other things with the brand and, and uh, several other licensing deals and, 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 uh, and TV deals and such and, and everything. And in a way, it's actually been sort of certainly the first few months of COVID allowed me to kind of catch my breath a little bit and catch up on the business and and you know you never have time to do that when when pace of life is so fast so I enjoyed a part of it I have to say. Sure and as you know the show we're trying to inspire young people by sharing positivity what kind of advice would you give some of our younger viewers? Oh I mean that's such a huge question you know what sort of advice would I give I mean I th I think you know I are you relating that to covid times or just generic Gener generally in business I mean I mean you know like I said it's it's such a huge question I think um I I I think for me you know I'm now sort of I'm I'm late 40s you know I started gumble in my in my mid 20s um I've been very you know it, it's it's a uh, it's been an, ama an amazing ride. Um, and Pun intended. Sort of, what's that? Pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been something that I, I think I've, I've sort of been fortunate to kind of carve out this path for myself. But I think, you know, you need, you need your own, you need your own vision more than anything. And you need the confidence and the belief that you can achieve that vision. And, and I, I think, um, I, you know, if you if you have a few of those ingredients and you believe in yourself, no matter how many knockbacks you get in whatever business ventures you try, you know, you, you just got to keep going. And, and I think, uh, you know, if you've got that ability, it will, it will come through in the end. Um, I, I, I just sort of feel like we're in a we're in a time where because of social media and everything so instantly available to everyone, people sort of, I think, more than ever think that they can uh, achieve things overnight. And, uh, and uh, you know, you've got to put in the hours. You really do, and and, uh, and 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 be dedicated to what you believe in. 
Sure. So great takeaway, Max, in terms of uh, young people, which is hard work, have a plan, see where you're going, don't give up. And like an iceberg, you don't see all the hours hard work that people put in. And that's where people get to the top, not just because they're lucky or they look Absolutely. good. Absolutely. You know, putting yourself in the right place at the right time, that, that's not by luck. You know, you've worked your way to get to those places. Sometimes you've got to sort of carve your way through life. You want to have meetings with certain people. You know, it, it's, you've got to get those meetings. And uh, you've got to be pretty determined and, 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 like I said, not give up, basically. Um, if you've got something good to offer, then usually people will hear you, give you a bit of time, and uh, then it's the platform is yours, you know, to take it where you can. So everyone asks you about, you know, gumball and all that. We're going to go before gumball times. Tell us about your, your childhood. Yeah, so I, I grew up in, in, in what you'd consider sort of middle England, in a very beautiful sort of rural area of... Uh, it's called the Malvern Hills, which is really Gloucestershire, Worcestershire, not far from the Cotswolds. So very beautiful, um, very quiet. And, um, and my family, are, my parents are amazing people. And, uh, and, and uh, I think I hu I'm hugely motivated and actually can see in later years how I've been inspired by what they've done in life. But interestingly, they're not involved in business in the slightest. My dad's an artist, he's an abstract painter. And, and when I was younger, he was uh, more of a sculptor and then turned into to more abstract painting. And I think, you know, seeing, having that sort of role model, if you like, for a father kind of already, without me realizing, made me understand that I didn't have to have a normal job. And when, what I mean by normal, I don't really know what we mean normal job, but I, but, but uh, you can be different. You can be different, and and I think you know at my school, even that was quite unique. You know, no one's no one else had a dad that didn't have a normal kind of nine to five job, and my dad was this eccentric artist, and uh, and my mum's a, a calligrapher as well. So you know, very creative sort of family, and and I think they without probably uh, realizing gave me the motivation and, and the belief that I could achieve anything, you could go anywhere, you could do what you set your mind to really. And, and, um, and I think music was a big part of life growing up as well. My dad also plays the drums, so, so kind of music and art were what I knew. And I think my, apart from having those interests, my passion was sport. You know, I think I was that, uh, I was that little kid that, that wanted to be a footballer or a racing driver. And, and so, you know, that, I, I played football to a pretty high level. Um, went through all the kind of the, you know, the national schools levels and everything and got trials for teams. And, and um, but I think also when I got to sort of, you know, 16, 17 years old, I probably had dare I say, a little bit of an overdose of football, playing for too many teams, too many matches, the whole life was taken up by that. And I got distracted and interested in other, a few other things. One was skateboarding, which was a totally different culture. Sure. And it was probably, if, if I look back on it, gave me a sort of a, 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 a vision of the sort of the kind of American lifestyle. Sure. And, and I think we're all in England growing up in the sort of 80s, a little bit seduced by kind of California and all the TV shows that we're sort of watching at that time came from there really. And so I think skateboard culture kind of introduced me to that a bit more. Um, and I had a few other sports going on too. I ended up um, 
end up playing table tennis for England. So that was a, an interesting thing to do at late. How late long were you teams. playing for England for table tennis? Well, I did the, the school's national level first and then played a couple of sort of the, the you know, international matches when I was, or national team matches when I was uh, between 17 and 19. Wow, okay. Um, you know, changing the subject a little bit. I had an operation on my shoulder six months ago, and I think it's probably from from too much repetitive, you know, motion of table tennis <laughs> at uh, okay. at that age. But uh, it's actually okay now. Um, uh, but or yeah, is so your rotator cuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and so then, you know, latter teens, I, um, you know, I wanted to kind of move out of that area as idyllic as it is when you when you go and visit it was not somewhere I wanted to kind of stay for the rest of my life and um, I got a little bit lucky I have to say with one thing that when I was about 17 I got asked to model for uh, an agency in London called Elite Premiere and, and within sort of three months I was doing ad campaigns with Ralph Lauren and Giorgio Armani and and getting flown around the world to fashion shows and shoots and things. And as a 17, 18 year old, that was a, that was my first big eye opener. And, and how did you get spotted? Uh, it was a, t a time in England when, um, there was a big TV show called the clothes show. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and they did a sort of a model scout, if you like, and, and sent agents to different places. And I was doing a levels and got asked if I could come back to do a, to London to do a test shoot for this agency and they took me on. So, um, and like I said, it was, it was pretty life-changing really because it, it really was sort of, you know, one day doing, you know, middle of A-levels sort of, you know, studying whatever. And, and then, uh, you know, the next week or the next weekend, whatever might be in Milan doing a runway show or something. And so having a, obviously a real taste of this sort of different world, this sort of, not just the fashion world, but, but international travel and, 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 and the sort of the, the industry that surrounds it and lots of celebrities and musicians and, you know, um, and that, that sort of, that really shaped the next few years of my life in the sense that um, I then, dis I was always going to go to university and um, I think I was always going to do art, fine art, because I was good at fine art and enjoyed it. And, uh, and I think having this sort of quick glimpse of the fashion world sort of swayed me into doing a fashion design degree instead of fine art. And, and also, I, I, you know, I, I had this sort of, if someone had asked me back then, when I was sort of, well, a bit younger than that, maybe when I was sort of 14, 15, if they'd asked me what I wanted to do, I probably would have said sort of, you know, be the designer for Nike or something like that would have been one of my sort of, uh, you know, dreams, if you like. And, uh, and so that fashion, studying fashion, it wasn't, it was really kind of because I had this sort of uh, real interest in sports and sportswear and streetwear, street culture through the skateboarding. So really, I never really had that sort of interest in women's wear and, the, and sort of couture and everything. But uh, so anyway, I ended up doing a fashion design degree and that's what brought me to London and uh, life continued from there. And then uh, when did you have a, a liking to, to cars? Well, I think I, I think I probably got, you know, as a, as a very small kid, you know, toy cars kind of gave me that kind of, you know, I was into cars. And my grandfather actually was very passionate about cars and had car collection. And um, 
used to take me to races and, and, and um, probably only went to a, a couple with him, but it sort of gave me that sort of, you know, I had the poster of James Hunt on my wall and wanted to be a racing driver. Um, interestingly, my dad doesn't drive. He's never driven a car in his life. So when I was younger, he used to just ride a motorbike all the time and he'd take me to school on the back of a motorbike and my mum would drive and, and um, my dad still to this day never bought a car. So considering I do gumball and, and my dad doesn't drive, it's kind of slightly interesting, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think, you know, I got sort of, let's say back into cars when, um, when I started modeling and um, that gave me um, some really nice checks at, uh, again, quite a young age. And I spent that wisely, my first few checks on buying nice cars and, and I learned to race. I did a racing driver's school at Donington and um, then pursued a sort of a, in, in, in parallel, then from sort of moving to London, so sort of 18 to about 25 years old, I, I juggled modeling throughout that period, racing cars throughout that period. I raced in different categories, different championships during that time and academic life. I did a fashion degree followed immediately by a law degree. So when I finished my law degree, that was sort of, I was sort of 25 at that point. And that was when the idea and the vision of what, what next comes along, you know. How did the whole like gumball idea, you know, come about? As, as mad as it sounds right now, I tried to buy a Formula One team. So I thought, what do I do? I've got so much kind of great goodwill from everyone and enthusiasm. I'll put on a road trip and get them all together. And, and really it was thought, I thought of it back then as just a one-off. I thought it'd be a great way to get all these people from different walks of life to hang out for a week, you know, share an adventure together. And if they enjoy it, then I can ask them to support me in another venture or whatever it might be. Anyway, so that was the first gumball and, and that happened in April, 1999, 55 cars. We did a route around Europe, a party every night and, and um, you know, some, a bit of a who's who from music and London social scene at the time. And we actually got cover of GQ, FHM and Esquire magazine. We, we got coverage on MTV and whatever, and all organically really, all through either publicists of celebrities that were participating or friends that I'd already got in the industry. And the end of that first rally, that first week, the, the, the energy and the enthusiasm from everyone that did it wanting me to organize another one was crazy. I had friends that owned companies wanted to sponsor it if I did another one. And, and within two or three weeks of some coverage coming out, you know, on MTV and the like, back in the old days before email and whatever almost, you know, people started sending letters and whatever to my office saying, can we get a gumball cap or a sticker or whatever, you know? So actually the, the, the brand sort of started to take shape on its own. And, and I also came out of that first rally um, having spent far more money than I actually had. And so I had to sort of, you know, these events and parties I'd put on throughout Europe were, you know, I tried to put on the best that I could knowing that I probably hadn't quite got the budget to cover it almost. And so I, I actually sort of, it threw me straight into organizing year two to essentially kind of keep the funds rolling and pay off the first one and throw it into the second one. And, and then, you know, it took legs of its own, you know, and, and, and sort of 
you know, by, I treated it as a very different event to anything that existed in the car world at that time. And even though there were other car rallies, it wasn't like any other car rallies. And I'd driven on lots of the sort of owners club runs and, and um, classic car rallies and whatever. And, and I love those, really enjoy them, but I wanted to create something different and, and appeal to people that wouldn't maybe do a car rally normally and uh, maybe there for the party or the social element or or maybe the driving or a bit of everything and i like the eclectic nature of both cars and the people so you could enter this in it was almost a real life wacky races so you know you could enter a even that first rally had uh, a boxer in the uk chris eubank driving his the cab of an 18-wheeler truck you know next to a mclaren f1 lm next to a 1970s Ferrari Daytona and you know such an amazing mix so it almost became a show and a spectacle that obviously obviously appealed to an audience you know without being a sort of a traditional car rally. Sure and then we, we keep seeing the, the description that it's a rally and not a race can you tell us like the the spirit and the thinking behind that? Yeah I, I, so even going back to that first first event um, I never wanted to make it a race. It wasn't about coming first on it. And I also, I think having been a sort of a, 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 you know, a racing driver for a few years, I, I didn't need to sort of be a racing driver on the road or try and sort of create something on the road that was about this. I sort of kept that to the track really and, and realized that what I was trying to create with this was about bringing rock stars and fashion designers and skateboarders and billionaires together and have a bit of a rolling road trip really. And, and I like that road trip sort of mentality more than creating a race. Um, but this sort of spirit that's created around it. So at the end of the first rally, um, at the finish party it was back in a place called the Met Bar in London, which was kind of like a hotspot at the time. Of course we did some awards and whatever for fun. And, and the main one became this, you know, was called the Spirit of Gumball. And it was a gumball machine, a bubble gum machine that we gave. And, and um, we gave it that year to this, uh, these two guys that drove a car called a Rocket, which um, is designed by uh, um, Gordon Murray, the designer of the McLaren F1. And it was actually Gordon's son, Dylan, driving the Rocket with uh, another famous racing driver's son called Luke Craft as his co-driver. And you sit one in front of the other and it's opened up and they had to wear a helmet to talk to each other the whole trip with an intercom and going through the toll booths in France and Italy and whatever, they used to just duck to go through them and they'd get more confident and start going faster and faster and just, you know, duck down to go through. And it was this kind of fun, wacky races spirit. And also, you know, I had a couple of days on that one where it's raining and you'd see these guys turn up, just kind of soak through and still go to the party that night. And, you know, so it was almost like, they, they, they won the sort of the, almost the underdog award for just achieving it, just, just com completing it, you know, and, and still having a smile on their face every day. And, and um, that sort of spirit of it has just sort of stayed with us really, you know, and, and become the sort of now the, the sort of the, the, the accolade that, that we give out every year. Sure. And then obviously you've been to numerous places, including uh, North Korea. Yeah. Um, how do you decide um, you know, what the roots and the rally is? Uh, and a huge part of it for me from the start was about exploring the world, utilizing this event to, to take me to places that partly I wanted to go to and, and enjoy. 
Um, I think the first year of the event was really taking it to, to locations where I had really get great contacts and friends at already. So I knew I could hopefully try and get the permissions to close roads down and get the best venues for parties and things because I had good, good friendships there. Um, but then as it grew over the years, you know, even by year two, because I sort of had this vision to kind of create something completely different, I hired aeroplanes to transport the cars and the people mid-rally. And so that second year, this is before there were any public watching the event or any fans at all, you know, pre-social media days. The driver set off in London and got a little route card that took them to Stansted Airport. They all thought that they were just driving to Paris or driving to France or something. And so they're all really confused getting this route card that sort of said, you know, driving to the airport. They'd all got, when they signed up to enter, they'd all got this sort of, they knew it was from, from London to, uh, uh, back to London around Europe that, that year. So they knew some of the cities that I'd probably released to them, but they didn't really know much more detail than that. And so, you know, this second rally, they, they'd set off from London from Marble Arch and you know, driving to Stansted, get to Stansted in these two huge Antonov cargo planes and then a passenger plane. They drive their cars on and get flown and we, we land in southern Spain and drive up to Bilbao and have a party in the Guggenheim Museum that night and then we're in Cannes at the film festival the next day and so on. And so the place, the, the, the route became this sort of how do I take this, you know, entourage of weird and wonderful people to all these different locations and, and how do we do it? And, and, and so it sort of grew like that. And then as we got a fan base, I then wanted to take it to new countries, new cities to build the awareness in those places. And, and obviously as it, as it was going through the years, you know, by, we had a couple of big years in, in, in sort of 2001 to 2004, we had uh, the highest watch show on MTV in the US in 2001, when all the Jackass guys came on the rally and filmed a, a Jackass special for it. And then I signed a deal with Sony PlayStation for a video game. And, and so then I've got these big commercial partners, you know, they've got a bit of, bit of a say in where they'd like the, the event to go. So obviously I took the event to the US for a couple of years. And, um, but it's me more sort of me balancing a, 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 a sort of an explorer outlook on the world and, and sort of, you know, where would I just love to take it? Com com combining that really with sort of slightly commercial head of, of sort of where have we got a fan base or where the sponsors are based or um, and what's an interesting drive you know what's an interesting route you know got to put in some good drives as well sure. and is there any um, thing that you want to do for gumball but you haven't done it yet I, I mean I'm still full of sort of ideas and places locations that I'd like to take the event to I am you know, we've definitely been fortunate enough to kind of tick a few of those off the list. Like you said, taking it to some countries that I think um, have been, you know, countries that have been sort of closed off or hard to go to and taking the rally through North Africa and, and, and North Korea and through China and Southeast Asia. Um, I mean, there's definitely parts of the world like South America that we haven't tackled yet, which I'd, I'd like to do. Um, the Middle East, it's a, we've done some smaller events there and, and, and sort of one day events, but I'd like to, I mean, the world has got so many beautiful places and, and we've sort of scratched the surface a little bit. We've, we've done a lot of miles and I think we've covered pretty much every country in Europe bar um, 
I think someone told me bar, bar Portugal and Iceland, but everywhere else we've done. So, um, you know, there's a few things I'd like to do, but there's also a few other events that I'd like to incorporate or, or experiences within, within the event. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, as you know, we've incorporated Formula One races or, or uh, the Cannes Film Festival, or we finished in Beijing at the Olympics in 2008. So, you know, events like that are great to kind of, a great way to be part of those. Sure. So Max, obviously you're not doing this for the money. You've made some money along the way. You want to have fun, obviously. Um, you know, are you like now looking towards maybe doing something a little bit different or continuing this to create some kind of impact? And if so, what kind of impact are you trying to do? Well, I think, I mean, that's, again, that's quite a wide question. There's, 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 um, there's, there's a couple of answers to that. I mean, one is, I think, time flies and suddenly we're two decades into this yeah. and, you know, you look back on, on what we've achieved and, and it's, it's been a, an amazing experience. And, you know, the brand has grown through various ways, you know, through, through products, through, through television, through online, through, through actual live events that we put on around the world. But I'd definitely like to sort of still take that to the next level. And, and what I mean by that is I'd like, um, I mean, we sell a phenomenal amount of, of merchandise these days. I mean, even the, we have a deal with Hot Wheels toy cars and we sell 2 million cars a month. So it's great to get the brand out, um, but I think you know we're not we're not on the high street at the moment. You know we're not a we're not you don't walk down Regent Street and see the Gumball store there. And, and I, I would actually like to take the brand to that level, which would allow the fan base and and, and just the the wider audience to to enable them to sort of walk into that experiential store and see you know, have experienced the ingredients of cars and music and, and, and the, the culture that Gumball is and, and sort of, you know, it's obviously at a time as well, though, where obviously retail is, is declining whilst online is growing. But I still think at the moment, you know, whilst I'm saying a high street brand, I don't want to be on every high street. I'd like to be in key cities around the world with a, with a Gumball experience. And, and that's really on the, the, the wider audience level. And at the same time, five and a half thousand people have taken part in the rally, which is a who's who from around the world. It's, it's founders of Facebook to, to kind of, you know, heads of some of the biggest brands that exist and, and, and you know, pop icons and sports stars from, from the last two decades. And, and they're all part of the Gumball Members Club. You know, you took part, you're part of it. You're part of it for life. And, and so there's another part of me that wants to just sort of connect people together that have participated. You know, maybe that's that is through the the mindset of a members club, but but beyond that, the amount of deals that get done between people that connect on the rally and and the sort of the potential from a from a business standpoint is another element again. So I just think it's how I kind of elevate everything and and realize that the the rally was this great is this great sort of uh, catalyst to bring people together, but it's what we do with that that is really interesting. The rest of the year, you know, and, and the rest of our lives. And then secondary to, to all of that, you know, I think um, you might be aware that in, in 2013, we started a foundation. And that was really same mindset, really, that we've got a voice amongst pop culture, amongst youth culture and a voice of, of celebrities and participants on the event that can, we can utilize to do, to do good. And, and so I think I, because 
really this is like like we keep referring to really it, it sort of embraces many areas of, of sort of popular culture of sport and music and, and, and action sports world and fashion, street cult, sneaker culture. I kind of want to kind of support sort of some projects that worthy projects, charities that can kind of embrace those worlds and, and, and you know, because charity sector is so vast. And so I really want the Gumball Foundation to support really kind of sport and music and the arts really to kind of give kids in, in uh, you know, less fortunate circumstances and, and uh, low-income areas around the world to kind of create infrastructure and, and, and possibilities for them. Sure. Um, we, we've, we've done some great things in the last sort of seven, eight years of having the foundation, building skate parks with Tony Hawk, with the skate park project, and um, work with Laureus Foundation, Laureus Sport for Good, building, again, sports facilities in places. So it's really, it's really good. And, I, and I, I, it'd be amazing to kind of, you know, a, a term that you've sort of mentioned really, but to, um, to build some legacy projects really that, that kind of, and I think especially now that because the rally itself, depending on where we take it, which country, some countries have put enormous effort into building uh, an event for one day, you know, and music, live music and the car show and everything. And we spend a couple of years on organizing that one day in that one location and then we're gone. And I, now I'd sort of like to sort of incorporate the foundation into leaving a project in these cities that, you know, for two years I've been backwards and forwards to those locations, those countries, that country or city or whatever, dealing with quite often, you know, right up to prime minister, president, head of tourism, and for two years have an amazing relationship. And then if the rally's, once the rally's gone, you're not there again. So I think it'd be really good. And, and even the next year's rally that ends in Cuba, um, we'd love to build a skate park in Cuba. They don't have any facilities right now. It'd be amazing to build that. And so all these relationships I've made over the last two years, we actually kind of leave something there and, and, and give me a reason to go back there and sort of see how things are going. And, sure. you know, so yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think in life, what we need to do is to, uh, enjoy it obviously but at the same time if we can create uh, a legacy as well as impact uh, along the way then that's the most fruitful right so let's talk a little bit about your your personal life um, yeah. or personal sort of like lessons that we can share with the audience um, what's been the most significant setback getting divorced is a is a huge kind of impact in in anyone's life you know and I've got four children with my ex-wife so you know you've got to get through that and 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 unfortunately, you know, out of, out of one thing ending, something new starts. And, you know, I was very lucky to meet my, my now wife, you know, very soon after my, my first marriage ended, you know, and, and, and that was great. And, um, but, you know, it's a huge setback at the time. And, and also I'm very much kind of, you know, like I said, I've got four amazing children. You, you don't want to, uh, you know, you want to bring them up the best way you can and, and, and not uh, have something like that disrupt their lives, their upbringing. But in business terms, I mean, we, whilst we're talking about how amazing and fun and, and great the rally is and the places, I mean, 2007, we had an accident and uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a terrible accident that uh, it wasn't a high speed accident or anything, but a car crashed into a local car in, 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 uh, in, in South Europe, Southeast Europe. And, um, and sadly, the, the driver of the car passed away a day later. And, um, very elderly person and it was really from the the shock and everything and um rather than a physical like 
think of a scary accident, but it, was, it wasn't as bad as that. But um, anyway, they sadly died. And, and, you know, it made me sort of really have to reflect and, and, and sort of question what we were doing and, and, and maybe how we had to kind of approach things going forward. I mean, the thing is, there's risks in everything that you do every day, you know, and, and, and um, but at the same time, when, you know, we're not putting Gumball on to be dangerous or risky. And the, uh, the attitude of Gumball and the, the craziness of Gumball is more about the cast of characters and the parties and the, and the fun side of it, to call it rock and roll, not the stupid or dangerous driving, you know. And, and I'm not, that, that, wasn't, that accident wasn't even stupid or dangerous driving, but, you know, over the years, there have been a few people who have been crazy drivers that you want to calm and, you know, just keep it safe. And, and I think, you know, after that accident happened, I sort of, we, we, we went to the next level of, of what we could to try and, you know, keep it as structured as possible. And it was after that rally that we, we started closing more streets down and working with the authorities more. And, and actually it was the same time, the event was also growing still. So we had to implement bigger structure and, and, and I think probably the early years of the rally, it was a bit more sort of, uh, you know, we didn't have to kind of close city centers down. So we would just sort of go ahead and put the rally on. Now, if I want to take the rally, you know, wherever it is, London to, to any city, like I said, you know, we're now working with ministries of tourism and culture and, you know, the mayor's office and the, the, the PM and whatever, and making an event that's a fun spectacle for everyone. But when that happened in 2007, I, I think uh, I lost a few big sponsorship deals. I, you know, it, it's something hard to take. And, and um, you know, we, we kind of had to deal with it as, as best we could. It's very similar to COVID now. You have to make the best of the situation. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. obviously very unfortunate. Um, any experience where you turned a, a negative situation into a positive one? You know, I always turn negative situations into positive ones if I can. I mean, we, we've sort of, I don't know, we've had some, it, it's a funny event because, you know, I think um, in the early years and particularly when we had some TV shows out in the mid 2000s, of course, we're, you know, we're 100 plus cars every year and it's a week long event driving sort of circa, you know, roughly 3000 miles. Um, <coughs> In fact, the, the brand, the number 3000 is not for 3000 miles. It was always for the future. People always think because it's called Gumball 3000, it must be 3000 miles driving, but it's sort of not really that. But, um, but anyway, you know, as the brand has grown, mid 2000s, lots of TV shows came out on us and, and um, docu-films and whatever. And, and um, we'd always, in those films, you're always going to show the highlights, the cars doing burnouts, the kind of the a bit of the fast driving and whatever. So we kind of got this reputation for being a bit kind of fast cars, you know, and, and, and I think I had to kind of refine it back a little bit because at the same time, I was also getting some big corporate deals as sponsorship, you know, you know as big sponsors. And I got some big license deals right at that point. Anyway, Gumball's welcome everywhere around the world, apart from in Germany. And in Germany, the authorities just wouldn't support us. And this was a time where, this is actually after that accident, and, and um, we're talking about 2010 now. So we were supposed to be driving across Germany as part of a route that that year started in London. It drove from London to Amsterdam to Copenhagen to Stockholm, and then we flew all the cars to, to Boston and drove to Toronto and looped back around Niagara Falls and finished in Times Square. An amazing route, seven days. 
Anyway, you can't get from Amsterdam to Copenhagen unless you drive through Germany. So, you know, I go and have all the regular me meetings with the authorities in Germany and tell them about the event and whatever, and they're pretty familiar with it by then. And um, usually everyone's really supportive. Anyway, I got a letter through from the sort of the, the local government office saying, Gumball is banned in Germany. And uh, <laughs> what do you do? So I, you know, whilst I challenged that for uh, several weeks and months and, and, and even had a court case with it, we, they wouldn't let us in. And so that year's rally, I had to transport the cars across Germany on multiple, like 12 transporters, put all the drivers in coaches for several hours. It was a horrendous experience. And then out of that, all the drivers on these coaches bonded. It was like they were hating it at the time, but afterwards it's the thing that kind of brought them together. The rally was then, you know, carried on. We made it happen. Everyone, everyone arrived. It was an amazing, amazing week. And it, it went, it, it kind of made that rally almost one of the most special ones for bonding out of that kind of hiccup mid-rally. And then afterwards it went so well that we actually got new, we got a, after going through court cases with Germany in the lead up to this one and not getting anywhere, German authorities invite us back after that to host the event. Ministry of Tourism and everything. So, you know, out of that one, you know, there was some shining light looking over us and sort of, you know, saying you can do it if you, if you pay, play by the rule book, might, maybe, I think. Sure. You've got to write it out sometimes. You right? have, yeah, yeah. So let's ask some fun questions. Any book or movie that you've watched or read that's inspired you? Oh, yeah, I mean, growing up watching things like The Italian Job, um, the original one, Michael Caine, is a big favorite of mine. But I think one of my favorite films is... Uh, is the Thomas Crown Affair with Stephen Queen. And I think that, that inspires me in, in many ways, yeah. It's like slick, cool, sexy, right? Yeah, it is. And um, I've also been working on a feature film for Gumball for some time, and it kind of is, uh, is, is very loosely the rally with a little bit of a, a sort of a Thomas Crown Affair-esque. Like, like a heist kind, kind of, of yeah. okay. Yeah. What about um, winning? What do you think it takes to have a winning mentality? I mean, that's a good that's that's a good question I think um, you know is that in your genes I think it probably is I think um, you know it's that drive and ambition again isn't it and it's not willing it's not been a person that is uh, takes no for an answer really and um, and I don't mean that in a in a in a break the rules kind of way but I just mean in a sort of if if someone tells me you can't do that you can't take the rally there then I'll probably use that as a as a challenge to myself to kind of prove that I can do that or, or something. So, you know, yeah, it's in your genes. And then what about like principles and ethics? What principles and ethics do you live by and how do you uphold them? We've been in business long enough to know that it's a, it, it's a tough old world out there and things don't go to plan always. But I think uh, with my, what I've sort of learned is that the, a, a key ethic or, or a principle that I, I would, uh, considered the most important in, in, in many ways with people that I deal with is trust. Um, because, you know, you, you learn over the years that not everyone is trustworthy and you realize how important that is and, and trust and loyalty and, and friendships go a long way. Absolutely. When I, when I do business, there's two things that we look for when we invest in entrepreneurs. One is um, ability 
Yeah. And then the second one is integrity. But yeah. integrity is more important. Yeah. Because if you can't trust a very smart guy, yeah. you know, how can you work uh, with them? Absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. Okay, um, what about uh, role models? Who's your role model? Well, role model, role model sort of slash hero element to that would be the likes of Steve McQueen um, and, and certainly uh, racing drivers like James Hunt, Nett and Senna. Um, but I think from a business standpoint, I think in, certainly in the, uh, in the early years of Gumball, I used to sort of cite Richard Branson quite a lot, and especially in the way that um, the Virgin brand was one of those brands that in its, in its early years and its sort of first, first few years of being a sort of a, almost an anti-establishment record label that, um, you know, probably people would find hard to imagine if they saw it back then, how much of a household name it's become you know, sort of whatever, 40 years later, that it, it can have trains and aeroplanes and, and just be a household sort of conservative brand, really. And, and uh, in many ways, I sort of like to think that the, the Gumball brand can sort of also lend its name to, to many areas of society and, and product and industry. And, and so Branson's definitely been a sort of a, a visionary and a, and a, you know, someone I've, I've looked up to. Sure. I think we, from my perspective, you know, Gumball and Virgin both have this, obviously it's very different businesses, yeah. you and Richard are very different, but in terms of uh, not sticking to the norm. Yeah. And exactly this is what the spirit of anything is possible is. Yeah. It's, you know, what I believe, my philosophy, it's not, I don't want to be Max. Yeah. I don't want Max to be me. I yeah. want to be the best version of myself. I yeah. want you to be the best version of yourself. And, yeah. you know, if you do well, I'm very happy for you. And yeah. that's... You know, I think if every business person, entrepreneur, even if it's non-business related, yeah. with that kind of attitude, you yeah. go a long way. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Religion and spirituality. Are you religious or spiritual in any way? Being so busy and, 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 and majority of the time being in the city, I relish those times where I get out of the city and I, I can look out, look up at the world and look at the stars and sort of realize how, how small and, you know, unimportant we are really in in the in the scheme of things and 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 you know ask all those questions of you know what are we doing here what is the universe how did it come about you know so certainly uh believe that there are uh bigger beings than us somehow somewhere sure i believe that um we're specks of dust yeah um we've got limited time we need to make use of it and have fun along the way, right? Absolutely. Um, success, how would you define success and how do you go about getting it? I've always believed that if I do the right things that I'm passionate about, that the money comes, but it's always been secondary to me. So success for me is, is, um, is like I said, is just achieving that, that sort of, I've got the big vision and that continues to evolve because I, I, I'm sort of, you know, there's, there's new ideas churning out every day. So, you know, let's let's achieve the next thing and then move on to the the one after and uh, what's your life ethos you know I, I think really it's about you know understanding that that um, we're really only here on this planet for a short time and we get one go at this life and and I, I'm the person that uh, is, is going to try and achieve and have a go at all the things that I want to all the things that that inspire me on, on the planet and uh, you know, I'm going to go to all the places that I, uh, you know, you read about, you hear about, whatever. I want to see them all in person and, and sort of 
So I think, you know, I, 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 it's about living life to the full for me and, and, um, and, and trying to inspire others to do the same. I, I sometimes get frustrated when, when I have friends that get stuck in the same job or, or, or friends that I grew up with at, at home that still live in the same, same area and, and they're sort of, I don't know whether they're too, uh, yeah, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe they're scared to get out of their comfort zone, but I think I'm... Fear? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely the opposite of that. I, I want to go and explore and, and, uh, and like I said, just uh, we get one go. Let's, let's, let's try and make the most of this. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's the whole, again, the spirit of anything is possible. It's just, yeah. you just try it. If it doesn't work, try again, absolutely. do something different, right? Absolutely. Um, legacy, is there any um, particular thing you want to be remembered as or is it just it's gumball or there's like new things that's a, coming that, that, that's a that's a, a good one as well because i think um you know how uh, can i be separated from gumball now <laughs> I'm, i you know i missed the gumball 3000 on all this social media and everything and is that me now you know but also i have uh, you know the one thing for me that i probably haven't achieved or or um I wouldn't say can't achieve, but some, certainly some things with age mean that you can't achieve them. But, um, you know, the one thing for me was when I was sort of a, a teenager, it was, I really would have edged my direction as being a, prof a professional sports person, really, um, as a career. And, and, you know, I think certainly a, a younger teen, I wanted to be that footballer. And, and so I've never really kind of achieved, I've been, I've been good at lots of things, but never master of one, sure. because I'm too interested in too many things to just dedicate my life to one thing. And so one, you know, part of me, that's one of the, go, go back to my parents, that's why, you know, I've got such admiration for my dad that he's been an artist his whole life, his, you know, my, my entire life he's painted every single day of. And, and, and not even exaggerating, I think there's barely a day goes by where he's not painting in his studio. And I just think that there's uh, something really admirable about dedicating your life to something. And, and, uh, and, and that's quite often a sports person as well, or, or an actor, or a, you know, a scientist, or whatever it is. It's someone that can actually just sort of say, this is what I'm here to do. And, you know, obviously my dad is going to have an incredible legacy of artwork that, that stays on the planet forever and, you know, people enjoy it forever more. And so what do I leave behind? I leave some great stories and some great adventures and memories for people and, and hopefully they're encapsulated maybe in some, some fictional films or, uh, you know, but hopefully I think as a, as a brand, I think we kind of uh, will definitely uh, keep going as a sort of a you know, as a popular culture kind of catalyst, really, and, and sort of, you know, keep building on that. Sure. I mean, one thing that's quite interesting, I think we, we share something very in common is that I like to get involved in different things and I like to get involved in things I've never done. Yeah. So I've never done movies in the past. I've never done yeah. this and I always yeah. try to try to get yeah. involved. And the, the term I would use for myself is a specialist generalist. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you're not the top Ronaldo guy, yeah. but you're sort of here yeah. and you sort of do different kinds of things. So, you know, like, because we're investing, yeah. we get to invest into, yeah. I don't know, cars, electric yeah. cars, clean yeah. tech, different yeah. things, and you learn and see new things, which is part of, I think, I think one thing that, you know, you haven't mentioned today, which I know that you are, it's, it's your curiosity. Yeah. That's the thing that's driving you to go and see a different place to meet 
different person yeah. and, and that's what yeah. Yeah. sets some people apart as a curiosity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So what's the next big thing for Max Cooper? Well, with uh, that you can talk about. Well, you know, with a, a year of being sort of stifled in many ways, you know, and, and sort of, uh, you know, not much movement around the world. I'm obviously raring to get out there again. And, and we've got uh, a big year next year for, for the brand that uh, we're, we're doing Toronto to Havana next May. But then we're soon to announce uh, a second big event for next year, which uh, soon to announce. Okay. Soon good. to announce. Okay. Um, which be, uh, you know, is a, is a is a project that I'm very excited to be part of, and then you know I, I do I'm in that stage right now where we're already looking towards our 25th anniversary and we've got a few amazing things that we're currently working on. So mentioning a, you know, we're going to have a Netflix documentary and we're going to have a, a play, uh, Xbox and PlayStation multi-platform video game coming out as well. So. They're kind of quite exciting. So a lot of exciting really. stuff happening, right? Yeah. So um, Max, anything is possible is about sharing positivity, overcoming challenges, and creating one world together where we try to, you know, get rid of um, um, prejudice in, in all walks of all forms of life. Um, our number, our last question is always, Maximilian Cooper, please share with us your number one advice to our audience, especially our younger viewers. Well, I think. Um you know, we've touched on it already, but I think, you know, the, the key advice for me is to kind of, you know, you, you've, you know, we're all, we're all, uh, when we're little kids, we've all got dreams and ideas and, 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 you know, whether that's our hero footballers or, or favorite film or TV show, whatever it might be that inspire us at that age. And, and I think we all, you know, have, have, have some nice ideas at that, that age that sadly, the older you get and the realities of life sometimes get taken away. And I, I'd like to sort of, you know, leave it that, um, you know, dreams are possible. You've just got to dedicate yourself to, to something you've got a, a very strong belief in. And, um, you know, obviously we all grow up in different parts of the world and we're less, less fortunate areas than others, less privileged uh, regions and so on. But really, I think, you know, let's, let's try and live your life to the full and, um, y you know, try and achieve all those ideas that you had. Anything is possible. Absolutely. Max, thank you for your time. Thank Good you. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you.